The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. We are live on the Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Go to rivalfantasy.com or get the Rival Fantasy app. Today is, what, Sunday, April 30th. I am Drew Silva. With me here is Ryan Boyer. On this episode, we're going to cover some individual risers and fallers from the weekend players who showed something encouraging and others who did not. Uh, we'll talk some some fab and waiver wire targets to round things out too uh, here on Sunday afternoon. Uh, first, let's jump into the headlines. What's the lead story for you, uh, Ryan, from, from Saturday's slate? So I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little off board here from actually what we talked about, but I figured it was worth mentioning at uh, Coors Field South in Mexico City what happened yesterday. I saw that uh, I think it was maybe DraftKings initially had like an over under of eight and a half for that game, and then they took it off the board because the action was so heavy on the over and. It wound up being 16 to 11. Set a set a Statcast era record with seven 440 plus foot home runs. Yeah, so they apparently they didn't set the humidor for the balls at like the cores levels. They just did it for the rest of the the ballparks, which was obviously a mistake. Because I think the elevation in Mexico City is actually higher, higher than Denver, yeah. so. So yeah, just a completely unfair environment for for pitchers. Very good for hitters. Uh, do not start Alex Cobb and you Darvish today if you can avoid it. I would I would recommend. But other than that, um, a guy who did wasn't a like well not necessarily a favorable pitching environment, but he made it one. Is uh, Kevin Gossman had 13 strikeouts yesterday in a win over the. Actually, he didn't get the win, but Blue Jays got the win. Uh, one to nothing over the Mariners. 28 swinging strikes on the day and 20 of those on that splitter. Uh, velocity was up during the start, which is, you know, as well as Gossman has pitched this year. His velocity has been down at times, so that was, that was good to see. Now has double-digit strikeouts in three of the last four starts. Uh, 54 to six strikeout to walk rate over 38 and two third innings on the season. So Gossman just looking, you know, that last year was 
like I think like historically unlucky is for as far as like Babip goes. Like he was just extremely unlucky from that perspective, even though his you know his strikeout to walk rate, et cetera, was was really, really good. He was my dark horse kind of kind of pick for the Cy Young in the American League. Um, really looking good so far. On the other end of that game, um, Easton McGee was made for making his first major league start for the Mariners. He actually took a uh, took a no hitter into the seventh inning. Um, immediately was pulled after giving up a hit to uh, to Matt Chapman, even though he was he only had thrown like. 64 pitchers or something through six and two thirds innings, but I don't really think there's anything there with Easton McGee. He, he has certainly earned another start probably, um, but two strikeouts yesterday, minor league numbers, pretty underwhelming. He's got great control. Not great. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the strikeouts don't look great. It looks like he's probably going to get the Astros next. So I think we can chalk this one up to, uh, you know, congrats on the great start, but I, I'm not really interested in in Easton McGee. Yeah, when Chris and I talked about it um, on Saturday's show, and when they made that sudden move to to put Chris Flexen in the bullpen and to bring up Easton McGee, Chris was thinking like maybe this is going to be a piggyback situation with that spot in the rotation. But McGee pitched so well that you know he kind of went the distance, so to speak, um, as much as pitchers go the distance these days. And yeah, he, he probably earned himself another start. The Mariners do have other options at AAA to throw at that problem. Um, it seems like Flexen has just kind of lost his rotation spot, at least for now. Um, so they can try some other names in that spot. I, I'm sure McGee will get that next start because he pitched so well. But yeah. uh, not a guy that I would be necessarily targeting as a as a big time waiver wire pickup. Um, R.I.P. to Mark to to Mark Mike Shannon too. Uh, that news just broke before we hopped on. And you and I are yeah. St. Louis guys, Cardinals guys. Uh, grew up listening to him. I what, I didn't really like him at, at first because it was such a weird style of broadcasting where you could be listening on the radio at, for five innings and like not know the score sometimes. Like you have no yeah. idea what's going on. But he just brought such a flavor to the game. And I mean, by the end of his run in the Cardinals radio booth, he was just beloved because he, I mean, he is one of us. He grew up here, uh, was like a force, a force sport athlete. I want to say at CBC, like it's a high school in, in town. Um, went to Mizzou, I believe. Isn't that, isn't that right? Um, and then played for the Cardinals and then became broadcaster. I, I remember fan graphs had a, they like had a they pulled their readers on um you know how they feel about their local broadcasters and the they were the person that was writing up the analysis of the poll results was like um shannon got rated so poorly on you know like um his ability to do play by play ability to keep you updated on what's going on in the game as a radio broadcaster you know there's some there's things that like you need to know sometimes <laughs> Uh, but rated so highly on, you know, the beloved factor. And I think that kind of encapsulates who he was um, just the, the voice yeah. of the Cardinals. I mean, after Jack Buck, of course. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was definitely an acquired taste and like, yeah, I, mm -hmm. 
I agree. Like if you're, if you're listening to a game, like <laughs> he would go like minutes sometimes without pro- providing any context of the game. Uh, but he had a, just kind of a quirky, weird sense of humor and, you know, so many connections to the area. And I think that's a big reason why that's why he was so beloved. So poor cold went out for, I was, for the moon, man. Yeah. Man, I might have to drink a tall Budweiser. I don't usually <laughs> like to drink on Sundays, but um, just just for the Moon Man, yeah, man, he is uh, just one of a kind. And I, I'm I'm gonna say like I I don't think that kind of broadcaster would be hired these days. You know, like you'd yeah. have to be a bit more polished. Um, but it was great that he was so unpolished. He'd say some things that you know, might get him canceled in, in another era, <laughs> uh, but just, just seemed like a, a wonderful man. And I, I was up in that, uh, in the Cardinals booth one day, this was when Joe Buck and Shannon were on the call. This was probably, I was maybe in like eighth grade up there with some friends, parents who knew Jack Buck really well. Um, and Shannon would broadcast his chair was one of those big medicine balls or what do you call those? Uh, gym balls you know like the bouncing yeah, like a balls. like a workout ball thing yeah yeah like the oversized thing um that's what my, he sat on i asked yeah that's what he sat on for his huh. i think his entire career or at least toward you know the latter few decades of it and i i asked jack buck about it actually i was like eating a, a burger with jack buck this was a really cool memory i still have a photo um and he was like oh yeah he said it helps with his back i don't know and then um, one time I like, I think my mom had one and I, I tried it like, well, I was working this, this job or the, the job, you know, writing about fantasy baseball and yeah. it actually kind of works. Um, I, I think it, it kind of forces like you to have good posture. So it's that's probably part of it. Exactly. And yeah. I'm totally a sloucher and yeah, same. Um, like I, I like this chair. This is like a gaming chair uh, that has a nice back, but Anyway, uh, we, we should get to some more headlines. Chris and I tried to talk about Aaron Judge and Jacob DeGrom on Saturday's show, but we were recording in the afternoon before the Yankees and Rangers game got underway in Texas and before the teams you know, offered their pregame media updates on injuries and lineups and such. So we just we didn't have the information to make any sort of interesting or even really useful points. Now here on Sunday, we do have a better picture of the status of both players, both Judge and DeGrom. So Judge has a slight strain at the top of his hip. Uh, The Yankees feel like it's something that he might be able to manage and play through, but are going to rest him until Tuesday and then make a determination on whether there needs to be an injured list. And if he doesn't return Tuesday, I'd say Judge almost certainly is going on the IL because this thing first popped up on Thursday. And uh, you have five days there where there hasn't been enough progress you, know, you might as well make it rec- retroactive and, and shut them down for a full week. Yeah. So I don't know if you're playing in a weekly league where you have to set your lineup tonight or tomorrow morning, do you chance it and, and start judge? I guess it, it kind of depends what the other options are on your individual roster. That's a tough case with the IL stint possibly coming Tuesday in a weekly league. It's really difficult to navigate. He's there in judge. So it's like, man, I should, if I'm only, you know, going to lose out on, on two games, or maybe even one game. Um, I don't know what, what would you do if you're, a, if you have judge in a weekly league? I mean, yeah, it, like you mentioned, it kind of just depends on what your, 
roster situation is like and how many how many other injured players you might have i would my gut feeling is that he's probably going on the il um so i would try to have someone else in that spot but yeah i mean it just depends on your on your roster situation and whether you have a viable replacement um like in an nfbc league you can make those for hitters you can make uh you can sub someone in on Fridays. Uh, so I would, I would, I think it's a pretty easy call to bench him initially in that kind of league and then just hope that he can be back by the weekend. But my gut feels he's probably going to go on the IL. Yeah. I, I kind of ha- ha- have that feeling too. I, I don't know why they just wouldn't do it right now because they can backdate it to Friday and then he could be back you know, early next or, you know, the following weekend. Yeah. I guess that's how that works. Or yeah. At at the end of the, like the the next Sunday, um, I think that would just make sense, but we'll see. We'll know, uh, we'll know enough soon enough, if that makes sense. And then with DeGrom, he did indeed go on the injured list on Saturday evening with what has been diagnosed for now is right elbow inflammation left his start Friday versus the Yankees with what was initially called right forearm tightness you worry when you hear the forearm is barking, then the diagnosis is that it's actually in the elbow, that there might be some kind of ligament damage. Uh, that's usually the trend with these type of things, but there's no word yet on it being that severe at all. It just might be kind of a wait and see situation where there are more scans coming following a shutdown period. So no real timetable yet. If it is just inflammation, you know, De- DeGrom could feasibly, be back with the Rangers by late May. I, I know it's been a frustrating year already for fantasy managers who who drafted DeGrom very early, but you kind of knew what you were getting into with that. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunately can't be surprised at all at this, at this injury. Um, forearm, elbow, you know, it, any of that is troubling with, with a guy like DeGrom, especially who's like a, kind of a slight build guy who throws so hard and it's just, I just don't know if his body can hold up. Like it's just, and I think the Rangers, and when he had that side tightness in spring training, they were super cautious with that. So I think that's probably a hint at how they would handle this. Like I, I would, even if it's relatively minor, which it seems like that might be the case. Um, I think they're going to be going to be really cautious and, keep him out multiple weeks, I would, I would guess. But hopefully I'm wrong and he's fine in a few days and can come back after a minimum stay. But one guy for the Rangers who's not injured, coming off of just a fantastic start on Saturday, Nathan Avaldi. He had been decent prior to Saturday, um, good from a like a strikeout to walk rate, not so much from an ERA perspective. But against the Yankees, eight strikeouts, uh, no walks and a three-hit shutout. Velocity was up, which was good to see. I mean, he was averaging just over 97 with his fastball. Uh, the last couple of years, it's been more kind of just a hair under 96. But 97 is kind of where he was throwing a few years back. Um, so that was really good to see. 39 to 5 strikeout to walk rate now, over 36 and two-thirds innings pitched on the season. And then they're going to – I mean, if DeGrom is going to be sidelined for a good amount of time, they're going to have to ride 
Nathan Avaldi pretty hard. I mean, that's a rotation just generally even beyond DeGrom that's pretty uh, injury prone, I think. Uh, John Gray is another one who can't really count on him making a full slate of starts. So I think Avaldi, as long as that shoulder is feeling good, he had some shoulder issues late last season, but trending in the right direction. So hopefully he can uh, hopefully he can continue out to build off of Saturday's outing. Yeah, I really liked that addition for the Rangers when Eovaldi's like, you know, healthy and, and throwing at his best. He's a very effective starter, and they needed to build out that major league rotation a bit more, um, and and they, they accomplished that with Eovaldi. You know, who I don't know, the, the DeGrom contract, obviously they knew the risk involved with that, and uh, the early returns are kind of the worst, not the worst fear, but, you know, played into to the the risk that was there in, in giving him that amount of money. Yeah. Uh, Corbin Carroll had a frightening looking collision with the outfield wall while track trying to track down a deep fly ball from Ryan McMahon in the Diamondbacks and Rockies game on Saturday. He was on the ground for a couple of minutes in, in obvious pain. His left knee like drove directly into the wall at, at high speed. We know Carroll's a burner and he burned right into that wall. Um, he's not in the lineup for Sunday's series finale versus Colorado, but the diagnosis is only a contusion. He's considered day-to-day, so it seems like the Diamondbacks did avoid a major scare with one of their brightest young players who just landed an eight-year, $111 million contract extension this spring. Carroll's met the hype in the early going, sitting on a, a 309 average, 910 OPS with four home runs, 10 stolen bases, nine, nine RBIs, 19 runs scored through 28 games this season probably has to be the NL rookie of the year front runner um, starting to move up the lineup for Arizona too. And uh, rightly so he hit seventh on opening day. That was so- sort of a disappointment and kind of shocking, but recently getting a lot of looks out of the third spot in the lineup. I bet we'll see him at cleanup at times. Um, and hopefully he will be able to return to that lineup in the early part of this coming week. It helps the diamondbacks are off on Monday. Um, so we could see Carroll getting right back into action in Tuesday's series opener against the Rangers. Yeah, seems like they've dodged a bullet with that injury. Looked pretty bad, as you mentioned initially, but yep. seems like he's going to be going to be okay. Um, that uh, <laughs> did you see that highlight by the way of the? I think it was Geraldo Pardomo, who we're going to talk about a little bit later. Carroll like chasing him from behind on the base pass. Yeah, it almost a, caught him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was funny to see. It gives you an idea of uh, of that yeah, speed. Yeah, not has. like a slow guy. Yeah. He's a shortstop. Yeah. Maybe with that banged up knee, uh, Carroll's sprint speed will go from 100th percentile down to like 98th percentile or something. But, Ooh. yeah, exciting player who's off to a good start. Um, another exciting player who uh, looks like he's going to be making his – Major League debut this week is Gavin Stone, a Dodgers Dodgers pitching prospect. Um, it had looked like he might come up last week, but the D- Dodgers decided to bring back Tony Gonsolin on, uh, kind of bring him back early from his rehab assignment. Looks like Stone's going to face the Phillies on Wednesday. Numbers in AAA so far on the whole this year, not great, but over his last two starts, one run, and a 14 to 5 strikeout to walk rate over nine and two thirds innings pitched last year between double and triple A. He had a 148 ERA, 
168 to 44 strikeout to walk rate in 121 and two thirds innings. So clearly a talented young right arm that the Dodgers have. They have have plenty of those. I don't know what the what the outlook is for him long term. I mean, he's unless the Dodgers are maybe considering bumping Noah Syndergaard from the rotation already. I don't know that. Stone's going to have a long-term spot unless they go to six starters for a bit. Um, but, you know, Syndergaard's got another start today. Uh, maybe they could look to move him to the bullpen. Phillies did that for a little bit with Syndergaard down the stretch last year. Uh, so we'll see what Stone does on Wednesday. I don't know what the workload would look like, uh, even if he does get a long-term look in the rotation. But, you know, I mentioned over the last two starts, he did pitch well, but he only threw nine and two thirds innings combined. So, but you know, 121 and two thirds um, innings last year. So he that should give him a target, I think, of probably 160 ish on the year. So, be interesting to see how he looks on on Wednesday. Certainly, uh, certainly a talented guy, and that matchup is in Los Angeles, so he doesn't have to go to. Uh, to Citizens Bank Park, a little more favorable environment there. Bobby Miller uh, made his season debut at AAA Oklahoma City on Saturday too and hit 101.2 miles per hour with his fastball at one point. I think at eight pitches over 100 miles an hour. Uh, so the rich get richer. I mean, he could potentially be an option for the Dodgers like in the next month. Uh, yeah. So – Hey man, that's that's something to consider too. He's a very exciting pitching prospect. The numbers with him, like, are you know a, a little kind of all around, but just the raw stuff is incredible. And I, I think he's going to be a really darn good pitcher for a long time. Um, and then a, a quick note on Tyler Glass. Now he he threw a two inning live session Saturday without issue and was was given clearance to begin a minor league rehab assignment with triple a Durham in the coming week, probably toward the end of, of this week. Um, I, I would guess he makes two or three rehab starts uh, before he makes his season debut with the Rays around the end of May, maybe even mid May. If it's only two, he's been out with an oblique strain, uh, not anything arm related, which I think helps the optimism that glass now can quickly return to form with no more setbacks. Once he does get back on, on the Rays active roster, just a nice little internal replacement there for Jeffrey Springs following the news last week that he's going to have, or maybe already did have Tommy John surgery. Uh, that covers most of the big weekend storylines. We'll do some, some weekend risers and followers weekend risers and weekend fallers weekend risers and fallers. Why can I not talk today? Um, and then talk about some, some waiver wire targets. I'm, I'm channeling Mike Shannon. This is a tribute. <laughs> to my uh yeah first a little a little commercial break a new mlb season means it's time for a new kind of daily fantasy baseball rival fantasy is the fantasy platform reinventing the way daily and weekly games are played and they've brought new games to the ballpark this year that fantasy players won't find anywhere else rival fantasy games include fantasy bingo head-to-head -head player challenges and fantasy book where users can select over-unders for two to five players. With games like this, Daily Fantasy has never been better. Right now, RotoWire listeners can get a $50 protected first play 
That means if you win your first play, you keep your winnings. But if you lose your first entry, Rival Fantasy will fully refund you up to 50 bucks. Go to play.rivalfantasy.com slash sign up and use code ROTOWIREMLB at sign up and deposit deposit a minimum of $25 to get your first entry on Rival protected up to $50. Now's the time to step up to the plate and become a rival today. Welcome to the arena. Baseball is back. Swing into the MLB season with vivid seats and score tickets to all the hottest matchups and biggest games of the year. Every crack of the bat, every deep center fly, every heart-pounding double play of your favorite team live and in person. Plus, with Vivid Seats Rewards, now you earn rewards with every single purchase. Each ticket you buy gets you closer to your reward. Just buy 10 tickets, then simply cash in your credit toward your 11th ticket purchase. It's that easy. A pro tip, buy tickets for your whole group. Split the bill. Make progress towards your own 11th free ticket even faster. From behind the plate to the upper deck, Vivid Seats has great tickets for all the 2023 games that matter to you. Just visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. See vividseats.com slash rewards for terms and conditions. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, we do a uh, three up, three down from Saturday on these Sunday shows. You want to get us started with someone you liked what you saw from on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I guess he would kind of um, qualify for the up and down portion, um, as he often does. We got the full uh, Edward Cabrera experience on Saturday. Career I-12 strikeouts. Uh, He struck out eight of the last 10 batters he faced, 18 swing strikes on the day. Also, five walks, and he needed 109 pitches to get through five innings, so... Like I mentioned, the kind of the full uh, Edward Cabrera experience um, on the season. He has 36 strikeouts and also 25 walks over 27 innings. Um, then, unfortunately, I mean, I, I was really high on Cabrera coming into the season. I rostered him on 
I think I might have him in all of my leagues. I did really? go ahead and cut him in like a really shallow league already, but I'm I'm holding so far and and the others. I mean, unfortunately, like it's going to be tough to spot like I don't know that it necessarily the opponent really matters with him a whole lot. Like I feel like if he's has it, he's going to be good and if he doesn't, he doesn't and that makes for a really difficult situation for fantasy managers like he could have a just a cake matchup but if he doesn't have his control that day then he's going to be bad if he does he's going to be awesome um just a volatile arm that's there's really no other way to put it i mean the upside though is just fantastic i mean the guy throws a 95 mile an hour change up like this stuff is just fantastic as when we saw both sides of it on Saturday. Um, I'm holding for now. I'm really hoping he can reel off like just a long stretch of at least decent control. Um, but I mean, like he's going to have to like limit the hits, like really limit the hits in order to not be just a complete drain on your whip, which he did kind of did last year. Like he only gave up like 44 hits and 70 ish innings. So even though his his walk rate was like above four per nine, he still had like a one of seven whip. So I mean, he's gonna. It's a high wire act with him, but uh, I still like the upside enough to at least keep him on my on my bench. Yeah, I think you mentioned Atlanta. Looks like that'll be his next start, and that's a tough lineup to navigate with with his approach. But hey, like, would it shock you if he just reels off another double digit strikeout game as well? Right. Um, Hunter Green would be up for me. Another guy who's pretty volatile usually did not factor into the the decision Saturday against the A's, but the Reds won their fourth straight game 3-2 with a two-run rally in the top of the ninth inning. For most of his outing, Green was excellent. Not necessarily surprising against that A's lineup. Um, He did give up two runs in the bottom of the second on a Ramon Laureano double. Laureano's back from the IL too. He got activated on Saturday, only spent 10 days on the IL. Then Green gave up a pair of singles in that inning, but those those runs were both unearned because of, there was an error mixed in. And then Green fully settled in from there, wound up with 10 strikeouts across his five innings of work, 24 whiffs on 55 swings. Uh, the, the pitch count ballooned early, which can be an issue for Green. Uh, but I think you got to dig the overall season stat line so far um, on a pitcher that many identified as a breakout candidate going into the spring. A 2.89 ERA, 40 strikeouts, 11 walks through 28 innings. Doesn't have a win yet. Uh, those could be hard to come by on a not-so-great Reds team despite the current winning streak. Uh, but the strikeouts should be there, and it's looking like there will be ERA value too with those dominant stretches that he can pull off mixed in with some periods where maybe the – command gets away from him or pitches become a little bit hittable once you know it's like a third time through the lineup once you see 100 miles an hour um major league hitters can usually catch up to it and make some contact gets the white Sox next who are just down so bad right now uh, that'll be this coming friday i'd feel really good about i mean yeah obviously you're you're starting green every time he's listed as a probable pitcher um yeah, I, I like what we've seen so so far from him. It's it's kind of predictable, but it's been on the good side of of predictable. Yeah, I mean, from a just like a strikeouts per inning perspective, like I, 
maybe Spencer Strider has the a little more upside, but I, I think Green is like right in there in that in that conversation. And that's even with a. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say that's even with a fastball that I mean has been surprisingly hittable for as much velocity as he has. Like if he can ever figure out a great command with that that heater and just kind of lean into a lot of sliders, which is just a, a disgusting pitch for him. I mean the upside with him is obviously obviously massive. Like like you mentioned though, on the Reds. Um, the wins. I don't. I don't know how many he's going to be able to come up with there. Not a favorable home environment as far as a, a ballpark goes, but tremendous upside with Hunter Green. Um, another Speaking guy with Strider though, like he got delayed. Uh, so he was supposed to start on Saturday. That game got postponed. Supposed to start on Sunday. That game got postponed. Both against the Mets, um, which also pushes back. On the Mets side, it pushes back Scherzer because he was supposed to return from his 10-game sticky stuff suspension for Monday's series finale. This the series between Atlanta and the Mets goes through Monday. So now he can't return until Wednesday, Scherzer. <laughs> the reason he dropped his appeal, he said, is because he wanted to pitch in that series versus Atlanta. Um, yeah. He does get the Tigers, though. So, you know, fantasy manager, I guess, will take it, even though they have to wait a few more days. Yeah, anyway. miss out on that two start week, but that that favorable matchup is yeah. is nice. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez looked really good yesterday as well. Um, first major league win over the aforementioned Tigers. Nine strikeouts over five shutout innings, just two hits and one walk allowed over his last two starts. He's thrown five scoreless innings both times out. Also, both times out, those outings were against the Tigers. So take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, now over 24 and a third innings on the season, he's got a 34 to 11 strikeout to walk rate. Um, velocity was down a little bit in this last start. I, I feel like the stuff is not is just not quite been at the level we expected, but he's been, I mean, getting strikeouts. He's obviously. wild, though. Yeah, he's wild, mm-hmm. you know? but he's I mean, he's piling up strikeouts um, coming off two two good starts. I don't know what the workloads ultimately going to be for him. I mean, remember, he missed uh, like two thirds of the minor league season last year with that. I think he had like a, a lat tear. Lat, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know how he hasn't gone beyond five innings in any of his starts yet. Although his pitch count has been like, I think he's thrown 90 plus pitches in all but his major league debut. So at least from a pitch count perspective, he, they haven't been uh, babying him too much, but um, yeah, Grayson Rodriguez uh, Orioles look like they're going to be pretty, pretty good. I think the, the backing should be there offensively, but wins could still be fairly hard to come got Howard to come by. Cause he's just not going to pitch terribly deep into games. Yeah. All right. Three down from Saturday. Uh, Caleb Killian, he got roughed up in his first major league outing of the year Saturday against the Marlins. Seven earned runs on 10 hits and two walks over just three and a third innings. Not that he was like a recommended fantasy streamer at all going into that one. Pretty unappealing minor league numbers. I know it was inflated by one just really bad start and the others were okay. Uh, But 
fantasy managers like in deeper leagues might have seen that matchup at Miami Miami and thrown like a desperation weekend dart at it. I know we all do that if we're playing in daily leagues sometimes, if, if it's a head-to-head type of thing. Um, and it just it certainly didn't work out if you did do that. Killian was occupying the rotation spot that with the Cubs that eventually will belong back to Jameson Tyon, who's making sort of slow but steady progress from his mild to moderate groin strain. Finally threw off a mound Saturday. Should be able to return around the middle of May. Uh, Killian did get sent back to AAA Iowa on Sunday morning, so it looks like the Cubs will go a different route the next time that turn comes up. No off days for the Cubs in the coming week or even over the next 10 days, so someone is going to have to fill that spot. Maybe they'll try a bullpen game. Maybe Killian gets another shot via some kind of injury. Um, either way, I, I think he remains a pretty unappealing fantasy option. We knew that going in, but in the short term and probably the long term, I, I don't really see him becoming an ace. Could be eventually be like a solid major league starter, but um, not a not a big time fantasy target in, in dynasty leagues and, and certainly not in redraft leagues. Yeah, I remember when Killian came up last year, he there was a little bit of buzz there. Mm-hmm. And he showed some flashes, but yeah, he's certainly borderline at best in a in a redraft and more of a probably a back end starter type over the long haul. Yeah. Um, Lance Lynn yesterday actually took a no hitter into the seventh inning, um, and then wound up not getting a quality start. Uh, wound up being charged with four runs over six and a third innings. That the Rays actually scored. 10 runs in that in that seventh inning, four of them charged to Lynn, like I mentioned. I mean, the White Sox, man, they're just – they're up against it. They're it's up like, against it right now. Pedro Grafal is getting kicked out of like two games in a row, I think. I mean, he's yeah. seems like he's starting to crack already. It's just a bad situation for the White Sox. But, I mean, on the positive side, I actually think – I mean, overall, it was a pretty encouraging outing for Lynn. He had 10 strikeouts, um, season high, 19 swinging strikes. The ERA in the season is over seven for Lynn. Um, I think he's a pretty decent by low guy, though. The White Sox, I'm sure, can't possibly be this bad. Um, and, I, you know, Lynn is getting his strikeouts. I think he could ultimately, if they don't turn it around, get traded. Maybe he's a a former and future Cardinal, although the Cardinals are might be sellers themselves the way it's looking. I know. Yeah, I <laughs> but yeah, that. I, that was after uh yeah, like what was it? Steve Stone, one of the White Sox broadcasters, was yeah. saying Lynn maybe needed to change up his diet or something. <laughs> yeah, he's he's gone through these periods of like something. Yeah, that's the comment. Yeah, he's go- he's going through these periods of like he'll lose weight and then he's not as effective and so he puts it back on. He's just a big boy. You know? Yeah, and they said it. And Lynn had a good quote after the after the game too, kind of showing the overall frustration of the team. Some reporter asked him like, you know, you had a had a no hitter going into the seventh inning or et cetera, and Lynn's like, I did. I didn't even realize it. Oh, I mean, we. We lost the bleeping game, so it doesn't bleeping matter, or something like that. A classic Lynn, cla- classic Lance yeah. Lynn quote. He's always a gem in those post game press conferences. 
Yeah. Uh, they'll, be, they'll ask him, like, oh, you know, how did you attack the hitters day? He's like, just threw a lot of fastballs. That's, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Um, Reed Detmers, who had a lot of buzz as, like, a breakout candidate after he looked so great this spring with increase in velocity across his entire arsenal. The spin rates looked good. But he allowed seven runs, four of them earned, uh, on four hits and three walks over four and a third innings Saturday, and the Angels lost to the Brewers, which leaves Detmers at 0-2 on the season with a 4.85 ERA, 1.39 whip, 31-10 to strikeouts a walk uh, through 26 innings, five starts. In that game Saturday against the Brewers, Detmers was actually awesome in the early going, five strikeouts through two perfect first innings. And the Brewers had been struggling against left-handed pitching in recent weeks, so it all like set up well for for him to keep cruising. Um, and then suddenly it didn't. Um, I'm still optimistic about Detmers. I still see some reasons to believe with the velocity and the whiff rate. Uh, but you look at like his extension, fastball spin, breaking ball spin are all pretty underwhelming from what we thought we might get coming into the year. That the data does not really like what he's doing. Um, gets the Rangers at Angel Stadium next. That'll be next weekend. Hopefully a positive building block in that one. He's looking, I don't know, not, looking like a, more of a streamer suddenly. Uh, but if you have him, I, I wouldn't drop him. We did have a question about from someone. Let me try to pull it up. Eric, Detmers or sh- should I drop Detmers for Mitch Keller? What do you think about that comparison? I love what Keller's doing. And you don't want to overreact to like small sample size stuff in April. But the data backs up that Keller is has like taken a huge step forward and the results have been there so far. What does he have like two double digit strikeout games already? Or he he had one in his last turn against the Dodgers, too. Yeah, I mean I'm super encouraged about what we've seen of, out of Keller too. Um I I wouldn't drop Detmers for him. I mean, I would try to roster both if you can. Yeah, right, yeah. I don't know if there's another. That's a pretty uh, good he, squad, though. I'll, yeah, he's got I mean, Verlander, he's, Manoa, Rasmussen, Darvish, Kershaw, Dustin May, Pablo Lopez, Hunter Brown, Zach Eflin. And yeah, I mean, I guess. I guess. <laughs> uh, <your> league. <laughs> Detmers is. <laughs> I guess Detmers is probably the low man on the totem pole out of that group, but I would. I would not want to drop him. I'm still still pretty bullish on Detmers over the long haul. Um, yeah, I wonder if you could drop a hitter and just go get Keller. I think they're both worth rostering. I, I guess it's probably a ten team league. Just looking at that pitching staff. Um, yeah, I would fi- I would try to figure out a way to grab both, even though you might feel like you have too many pitchers. If you have to drop a p- position player from your bench in like a ten team league, you don't necessarily need position right. players on your bench. Yeah, yeah, that would be ideal to be able to go ahead and pick up Keller and and hang on to Detmers and the rest of the guys in the pitching staff as well. Um, getting you want to get into some Fab talk? Let's uh, yeah, let's do it. I, I think Tanner Bibby is probably going to be the everybody's going to be looking Liner. at you know TGFBI all those leagues to see what people wound up spending on on Bibby. He's going to be the the big money item this week. Just looked fantastic in his major league debut at home against the Rockies. Eight strikeouts, no walks, one run over five and two-thirds innings pitched. Had 11 whiffs on 91 pitches. 
Uh, they are. I, I don't think they officially confirmed when he's going to start next, but he's still around the team, and they said he's going to go on the road trip with them. Seems like he's lined up to pitch at Yankee Stadium against the Yankees next, which, I mean, seems kind of daunting on the surface, but the Yankees really aren't hitting very well right now. And they, they might, might not have Aaron Judge. Yeah. Might still be without Aaron Judge at that point. So, And, and if he does – I was just going to say, even if he does um, get that next start at Yankee Stadium, which I think would line up Wednesday, it looks like his next start after that would be against the Tigers. So Tanner Bibby's a, a really interesting guy to target right now. I mean, 2.13 ERA, 186 to 35 strikeout to walk rate, over 148 innings in the minors last season. I mean, he's a. Uh, the Guardians are just one of those organizations that have earned the benefit the benefit of the doubt. Um, just what they do with their pitching staff at this point. You know, Bibby was kind of in the same vein as Shane Bieber in that he was like a college pitcher with great control and not standout stuff really, and they just figured out a way to bring those guys to the next level. And he's, you know, he threw 148 innings in the minors, as I mentioned. So I don't know that he's going to face much workload restriction. Um, he's got a vast repertoire of pitches. Um, I think he's certainly has it within his, within the range of outcomes to be a, to be a mixed league standout rest of season. So I would, I would be rushing to the waiver wire if he's somehow still available and, Certainly going to be interesting to see those fab dollars spent. Um, another guy we already talked about a little bit earlier, Gavin Stone, just kind of reiterate some of the stuff we already brought up about him. Looks like he's going to be making his major league debut this week. Um, bit of a slow start this season, but you know, last two starts has looked really good. I, I'm curious to see what the Dodgers do with that rotation. As I mentioned before, Stone looks like the sixth starter right now, but Noah Syndergaard does not look good. Could conceivably be replaced if Stone looks good. So I'm not sure what the workload or long-term outlook is going to be for Stone, but the talent is certainly there. And he's because of that uncertain uh, role, I think he's not going to be the, the fab the fab, the level of fab spending is not going to be what it is for Tanner Bibby, but the upside warrants uh, a pretty decent size investment anyway. Yeah, speaking of the Guardians, I picked up Logan Allen for this start at Boston. I was pulling up the box score. He four innings, four scoreless innings, six strikeouts, one walk so far. Oh wait, nice. <laughs> he, he he just gave up two runs in the bottom of the fifth um but still a pretty good outing for him man i, I totally jinxed that <laughs> um, uh but yeah i i think he's a he's a guy that's gonna stick around for more starts too and i, I like what he, he wasn't like very good in the minors last year but he had an awesome debut uh was that against the marlins earlier this month or i thought that was like last sunday i believe eight strikeouts yeah, over remember something like five innings of one run ball. Anyway, I, I, I like that. I liked him as a streaming option and possibly someone that's going to stick around on my roster gets the twins next. Um, 
you know, that could be an okay matchup. Uh, Randall Gritchick, Chris and I talked to, a bit about him on this on Saturday show. He was so bad on his eight game minor league rehab assignment that there wasn't much excitement when he finally made his Rockies debut Saturday against the Diamondbacks. But he went two for four with two singles, had a hard hit line out, one strikeout. Positive signs that he's healthy and ready to be a contributor in, in that Rockies offense. We kind of know the player that Gritchick is at this point, raw power, poor plate approach, plays good defense, has a little bit of speed. Um, but I think that's a good way to get some cheap course field effect on your roster and a player who could probably reach 20 plus homers with the way the ball's flying this year, even having missed the first four weeks of the regular season while recovering from off season hernia surgery. Um, I don't know. Like I, I, what I kind of like about him is that, the like the rule changes and the way that the game is being played with a more aggressive pace, I think it kind of works for him. He's always kind of been an aggressive player, sometimes to a fault. Um, maybe he steals more bases, maybe he attacks more pitches. Um, I could just I could see him being a a, a pretty meaningful contributor in, in a number of different fantasy scoring categories as like a fourth or fifth outfielder in those type of deeper formats. I think Gritchick should be relatively attractive, especially when the Rockies are playing at home. And they are right now finishing up a series, and then I think they start next week with a series at home as well. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, he was, I would say, a little bit of a disappointment last year from a power perspective. But as you mentioned, the ball is playing definitely jumpier this year. So I could see Gritchick uh, being mixed league viable rest of season ideally those kind of guys kind of borderline mixed league guys um you would be able to play him at cores when he's got a bunch of bunch of home games coming up and then bench him on the road he's almost like a yeah he's like a streaming a streaming outfielder (laughs) an outfielder that you stream um brian bayo uh, did not have a great experience in his season debut back on patriots day against the angels. That was a rainy morning in Boston, a a lot of stops and starts in that one. I think it took about five hours to fully get it in. Um, And he didn't last long five earned runs on eight hits and a walk made it just two and two thirds innings, but Bay was better next time out against the brewers and then returned to the Red Sox rotation again, Sun or Saturday versus the guardians and took another step forward, six strikeouts over five innings of one run ball. And what was an eight to seven win for the Red Sox. He was dealing with a blister toward the end of that outing, which he said affected his slider. Uh, Got pulled at 84 pitches. Maybe could have covered the sixth inning if if the blister was not a factor. The Red Sox need some coverage from their starters. Um, There wasn't much concern about the blister postgame. The the read is that it's going to be something that's manageable. Uh, He does line up to face the Blue Jays next, which is obviously a dangerous offense. I think he's an appealing pickup. And then you'd kind of have to, to weigh whether you want to start him against Toronto. It is on Thursday, which is usually a lighter slate of games. And maybe he's, you know, the best option out there, depending on the size of the, your league and the whatever else is on the board. Um, so I, I think he could actually be the most, you know, appealing streaming option available if, if his turn does come on Thursday. And so, I don't know, you might as well pick him up right now uh, with some of your a, a light, allotment of fab dollars or you know pluck them up off off waivers there's yeah talent. yeah yeah oh there definitely is like yeah keep an eye on that on that finger issue to see if he does make that next start but i mean i generally like betting on guys that 
get strikeouts and a lot of ground balls. Like that's just a mm-hmm. great combination to have if you can pull it off. And Brian Bayo falls into that into that bucket. So I think he's worth uh, certainly worth picking up. Another guy off to just a kind of unforeseen start, I would say, definitely is Geraldo Pardomo from the the Diamondbacks. Uh, I went three for five with a three-run home run and an RBI single Saturday at Coors Field. Sitting on a 1090 OPS on the season. um, Taking over the starting shortstop job against right-handed pitching. Nick Ahmed, I think, has only made – one start against righties so far this year. So it's been a pretty strict platoon in that regard. Um, Perdomo is, I mean, he's kind of uh, a guy who's been liked by scouts. I mean, I think, I think there's some tools there, but the numbers really haven't been great. I mean, he's put up some, some decent stolen base totals in the minors. Um, but just from a power perspective, and the hit, a hitting tool perspective on the overall is just not, it's kind of underwhelmed from that regard, but obviously off to a great start. But worth pointing out, sitting on a 390 average, his expected batting average via stat cast is 236. So the quality of contact just hasn't been great. Um, he does draw some walks, has a little speed, as I mentioned. Although I think, I think his sprint speed is not rated that well, but. I mean, maybe you can get some get some stolen bases. The the Diamondbacks in general are, are a pretty aggressive running team. Uh, he's getting the playing time. He, I think he batted second maybe yesterday. So, you know, there's a little bit of appeal there. Uh, I don't know that the – he certainly is not going to continue at this pace, but a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, I think he's worth – you should have a little bit of positional versatility as well. Um, I think he's worth a uh, a smaller fab bid if he's still out there in your waiver wire. All right. That'll do it for us on this Sunday show. Thanks for tuning into the Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you again by Rival Fantasy, rivalfantasy.com, or download the app today. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Drew Silve. Ryan is at Ryan P. Boyer. Stay tuned for more episodes every day of the week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.